As you all know, we've been looking through the book of John. Um, we've had a number of real powerful weeks, hey, um, diving into the, the living scriptures. So if you've got your Bibles, you can turn to John chapter 4. Um, and those of, those of you who have been here for the last couple of weeks, we've been looking at uh, the, woman, the woman at the well. Um, and there's been some awesome things that we've been able to kind of unpack together. And so we're going to be following on from that tonight, starting at verse 27. And I'll just read it out, and then we'll have a, um, a dive into it together. It says this, At this point his disciples came, and they were amazed that he had been speaking with a woman. Yet no one said, What do you seek, or why do you speak with her? So the woman left her water pot and went into the city and said to the men, Come and see a man who told me all the things that I've done. This is not the Christ, is it? They went out of the city, and they were coming to him. All right, now this is verse 31. This is what we're going to be looking at tonight. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples were saying to one another, No one brought him anything to eat, did he? And Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Fascinating little passage, eh? You know, and just in really what is essentially three little verses, Jesus is letting these disciples into his world, hey? To me, it's interesting that he says the disciples were urging him, saying, Rabbi, eat. And he says to them, essentially, I am eating. It's just food that you don't know about. So Jesus had a food source, a life source that he was able to eat and live from that the disciples didn't know about, hey? And on that note, flick, if you've got your Bibles, flick over to Deuteronomy chapter 8, because it would be cool to have a look at this right from the get-go. Chapter 8, verse 1, and the title in the NASB is God's Gracious Dealings. It says this, All the commandments that I'm commanding you today, you shall be careful to do, that you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land which the Lord swore to give to your forefathers. You shall remember all the way which your Lord God has led you in the wilderness these 40 years, that he might humble you, testing you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. He humbled you and let you be hungry and fed you with manna which you did not know, nor did your fathers know that he may make you understand that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by everything that proceeds out of the mouth of the Lord. Your clothing did not wear out and your foot did not swell these 40 years. Thus you are to know in your heart that the Lord your God was disciplining you as a man disciplines his son. Therefore you shall keep the commandments of the Lord your God to walk in his ways, to fear him. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a land, a land of brooks of water, of fountains and springs, flowing forth in valleys and hills, a land of wheat and barley, of, fig, of vines and fig trees and pomegranates, a land of olives, oil and honey, a land where you eat food without scarcity." in which you will not lack anything, a land whose stones are iron, and out of whom, whose hills you can dig copper. When you have eaten and are satisfied, you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land which he has given you. Powerful verse, hey? 
And here we see a real comparison between what Jesus was sharing about and what we see here through Moses, and that there is this hidden manna, this food to eat. And in, and in Deuteronomy here, we see a similar sort of thing where we said that you know, God had led them in the wilderness and that they were given to eat a kind of bread that they didn't know about and that even their fathers didn't know about. And he says this, that he might make you understand that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by everything that proceeds out of the mouth of the Lord. And see, the, the Israelites were fed manna from heaven day in and day out as they journeyed through the wilderness. But here in Deuteronomy, we see that the true bread was not even the living manna that the Israelites ate. You know, it says that they ate the living manna, they ate it and they still died. Yet there was a true bread, a true life source that people were, would, would be able to eat and, and would not die. And this, this true bread wasn't physical at all and it wasn't even divinely given in the sense that it was a physical blessing a physical miracle a physical possession the bread was Christ himself and so this um, we, we see here in Jesus he was able to eat and be sustained by God himself not physical bread and so it'd be awesome for us to unpack this tonight what is this living bread what is this living manna that sustains not only the Israelites uh, in the wilderness but what is the true bread that we're to eat um, of as his followers is that cool all right so I've got a few questions for our our team tonight I'm not going to introduce Amanda because she's uh, already now a veteran <laughs> round two uh, but here we go. Number one, what is the true food that Jesus is eating? What is the true food? Jesus said, I've got food to eat that you know nothing about. What is this true food that Jesus was eating? Chris, I don't know if you want to kick us off. Cool. Um, well, the, the short answer is a really simple one. It's to do the will of his Father. Um, so that's the, the textbook answer. Um, but I love, I love what he says because he's receiving life from his Father and he is the life and, and he's the life for us to receive as well. So I just want to jump over to John, John 6 and he says, He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. As the living Father sent me and I live because of the Father, so he who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread which came down from heaven, not as your fathers ate the manna and are dead. He who eats this bread will live forever. And just one of the things, you know, I love that we're on this at the moment and I'm, I'm hungry to hear. This, this is what I've got in my heart tonight. I'm hungry, you know, God's just really speaking to me at the moment again about being our daily bread. You know, the... the the life source that we are to eat from continually. And, you know, I just see right now that hunger is such a gift from him. God, I pray that we would be hungry for you. Hungry, like we've heard, for the things that we don't know and that our hunger would increase, God, because, you know, we have this example in Christ who himself was the bread of life and yet knew 
how to come to the Father to be filled. And, you know, that part of this, and I hope I'm not jumping ahead too much, is that not only that I would be full for myself, but that I would have bread to give another. Because he says to the disciples, hey, these people, they're all hungry. Give them something to eat. And you know what I find so interesting about this is he already knows they've got nothing to give them. He says, I have bread to eat that you don't know about. But he still says to them, give them something to eat. And they're like, what? We got nothing. No, we don't even have the bread we know about to give them. (laughs) You know what I mean? Well, isn't that just Deuteronomy 8? Because he's testing them. So I've got to take you to a place that you have no reference for so I can test. So you actually realise you don't have what you need. You know, so you see that wherever. So that's just, you're talking about John 6, just before he feeds the 5,000, you know, and they all go, uh, well, where are we going to buy? We don't have money. So instantly they go to the natural. Yep, that's right. Instantly, that's, the, that's what they are. They're natural. They think through naturally. They hear it naturally too. And that's Deuteronomy 8, you know. So God has to take us out of what we know to a place of the wilderness that you, there's nothing, I love what Haley said when in Cambodia, she said there's nothing of God, nothing of the natural in the wilderness. So you, what is it? Nothing of man in the wilderness. So you're, you're being exposed because you're realising there's nothing that you know that you can hang to for comfort, you've got to hang on to the comforter. And in that exposing, he's about to feed you if, you actually want to get fed from another food source, you know, and that's like what you're saying in John 6. He knows exactly what he's going to do. He knows that he can submit just this little under another kingdom and it becomes much, you know, where they've got no idea, you know. And this is the beautiful tension of, like, this dimension. I I just love the fact that um, as he sits with the woman at the well, you know, it's, he's hearing from his father and it's like this work that was set aside for him to do before the beginning of time this this in, this colliding of man and and uh, man and woman woman and god and it's like you know god just draws right in close and what i love about it is that god put on skin in order to be able to get that close whereas before you know, they were, I was reading in Exodus, you know, it was lightning and thunder. It said that they stood at a distance, you know, and it was like God himself knew. And I, I just kind of in my imagination picture God and Jesus getting so excited about, can't wait for that woman at the well. And, you know, when that happens, it's going to be so amazing. And Jesus, I just see Jesus sitting in this glow of having just brought the very essence of the Father, the very love of the Father, the reconciliation of the Father to this woman in this moment. And it's like, he's just feeding on that. It's just like he was able, God was reaching through Jesus to this woman and saying, I'm here and I'm for you and I love you. And it's like, that, that's the will of the Father, that reconciliation, that heart that just draws I just think that's so beautiful. I just think Jesus is just on his own planet at that moment. <laughs> he's, just in, he's, just in his, he's just in this joy bubble, you know, of like, wow, that was amazing. Yeah. <laughs> he's in his onesie. <laughs> <laughs> and, and to me, it's interesting, you know, when he says, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Wouldn't you think that if you're working, you'd get hungry, you know? Mm. And yet 
these predestined works that you're talking about, the, the source of the work isn't natural. Hey, you know, it's like the the, the works that he's prepared for us to work work in uh, to, to walk in don't burn you out. Actually, the, because they've come from him, you receive his empowering grace to be able to live out from the works that he's predestined you to do. Hey, you know, so which means he must be your source. Mm. And so, if you take this context, just on its own you'll get in trouble because you'll create a whole gospel around this that you'll say this see I told you the work of God is to go do works you know and yet actually you don't know the source that he's actually doing the work from because we must come into the position of first because he is the source he is the food so before he's doing anything he is the food isn't he that's what you're saying I am the bread I am the light I am the food so if you don't have that reality down, then you'll create another gospel and you'll go, the will of God is to do these works because he's engaging with this woman and you go, this is an evangelistical reality right here and there's truth to that, but it's not the whole truth. And this is what we've done. And so we don't realize that we're to be partaking of Christ daily. So actually you can engage with people that have no idea, a woman at the well, and you can't change, obviously, her, but you can only speak of a food source that you know, which is really what she's looking for because she's looking for water and he's the water. But if you don't know that yourself, then you're really going to talk about a dude you don't really know, which means you can't really give. So the food source you're eating is the same food source she's eating, which really is nothing. But you know a story about a guy that came, you know, and so you're in that tension just like she can be. And that's that's where Jesus said, uh, blessed are those that hunger and thirst for righteousness because they will be filled. And so in that dynamic, the hungry get fed. You know what I'm saying? So if you are, if you have received of the, the life, because I just um, translate the word food as life, I am the life, you know. Um, and so when when we are receiving this life, this life is not just for us, but for those around us that the hungry recognize because they have a, an appetite for this thing, because they're actually looking for it, even though they might not have identified it. And so our, our mission isn't to go around and give everyone life. I'm alive because I've had an encounter with life. And those that are hungry are going to encounter life. This is the fragrance of life that comes from us when Christ is our food source. Awesome. Oh, any, anything else on question number one? Or should we move on to our question number two? Why did the disciples not know about the food that Jesus was eating? Jesus says, I've got food to eat that you know nothing about. Why did the disciples not know about the food that Jesus was eating? I feel like they just... Greg doesn't know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I feel like they had really only just begun to learn how to eat. So when the question comes, so later on, so John 6, again, where... Jesus says, eat my flesh and drink my blood. And many of the disciples walked away because they couldn't 
understand this thing, and I think you guys talked about this last week, they couldn't understand this thing. He's talking about blood and flesh. That's the very opposite of what it is that we've learned. So the natural mind kicks in, they're gone, and the only people that stay, well, Peter really is expressing something because he's tasted, actually tasted something. And he goes, where else are we going to go? You've got the words of eternal life. So I feel like Peter's in the situation where he has eaten something, but he's not dining on this. He's actually a newborn baby. And, you know, there's there's obviously a, a growth process in this. So obviously we start out on milk and God's desire is that we would grow into being eating meat, you know, like it talks about in Hebrews. Um, and so these guys really, like I said this morning, were their fellowship with Christ, their ability to partake of Christ like they talked about, like John talks about in First John, came at Pentecost. They, they didn't really have this pre-Christ's death and resurrection. You know, they were walking with him, but they were very carnally minded. You know, he, he explains it. He says, I have many things to say to you right now, but you can't bear them. You can't carry them. You know, I also have many things for you to eat, but you can't eat them. You have no teeth. No stomach for it, you know. Not even. Um, I was going to say, uh, a colouring book gets stuck together. Colouring in with glue stick. And it's interesting, even you know, with the, with the Israelites in the wilderness having been given manna falling from heaven, didn't have an appetite to eat what it was that God had always intended, which wasn't just the manna, yeah. it was Christ. Hey? Yeah. You know, And I think, you know, and you see, see the pattern, whether it's the Israelites, whether it's the people who um, were fed by the 5,000, you know, all of these physical miracles were pointing to something so much greater. Eh? You know, it's that now that you've been fed physically, Ultimately, that was to point you to the one who was truly the source yeah. so that you'd know that actually this is not just about a miracle. This is about the revelation of who I am as the source of your very life. Hey, you know, And that to me, it's transitioning from natural to, to heavenly and spiritual. So. And I think we live in this tension and Chris mentioned it this morning about appointed time. And I just want to read you something that says the role of the spirit. This is in John 14. He says, I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper. So Jesus was their helper. Then he's asking the Father and another helper, Holy Spirit's going to come. And he may be with you forever. That is the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it does not see him or know him. But you know him because he abides with you and will be in you. Okay. So for whatever reason, and this is this whole thing of the 99 and the 1, is that Peter gets a revelation of the Father that the other guys don't get. Yeah? And so that's like one percentile. But this Holy Spirit being in them doesn't come till Acts, where you see the whole. So everything's concealed from them. So they're walking with a person who's actually concealed, and everything he says is concealed. And yet the Holy Spirit is with them, but he's not yet in them. So you need the Holy Spirit within you to be able to hear the things of the Spirit. So when Jesus is always talking, they're always missing him. They're missing what he's saying, and they get their version of what he's saying all the time. 
outside of the one time where they get a revelation and Peter's able to hear, truly hear, not listen, truly hear, and doesn't go one and one equals ten. But that's what they're doing because Jesus is concealed. Jesus is concealed from every single person. So no one knows Jesus unless Jesus reveals Jesus. Yeah, so that's what it says in Matthew. Jesus is the only one who knows the Father. The Father is the only one who knows the Son and to whom the Son wills to reveal the Father. So you and I cannot know. We do not know what he's talking about. So when we hear and talk about food, we naturally go to the natural. When we hear and talking about his work, we go to the natural. Everything we do is we go, we hear, we listen through the filter of the natural and come out with a natural outcome, wondering why we're still not in life. Because until the Spirit enters us, which is the ability we need to hear and abide, we're in two and we need to be in one. And that's a real problem. And it's no different. And so you've got to give these guys some slack because everything was concealed. Now here's the challenge, we've said this to us, but we're 2,000 years into the future so we've had 2,000 years to hear the Holy Spirit, receive the Holy Spirit, because we're by this day supposed to be ambassadors of this kingdom. So we're to not hear the wrong thing. You know, when he says, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, we're not to go, he's talking about bread. We're to go, he's talking about the teaching of the religious spirit and the worldly spirit. And we can hear the difference between the religious spirit and the worldly spirit because we know the one of the spirit. Well, that's the reality that we're to come into. But if we're not, we don't know nothing and that's very offensive to people who think they know something isn't it because I've been brought up with these things but that doesn't mean actually anything in relation to life and transformation and so you know you can almost go feel a bit sorry for them because he gives them a hard time <laughs> you know like and he says to them do you guys still not hear do you still not understand are your hearts still hardened so he's talking to his own guys and the reality is, yes, it is. And that's why he says to Peter, do you still have no faith? Like, he loves us. He's there in all their fear. But then he addresses the real issue. So Jesus, you have to be able to hear the truth. You know, so he doesn't go, oh, I love you. It's okay. Bit of a shame that you sort of sunk. He goes, I love you. Take courage, it's me. And by the way, you have no faith. You have little faith, why did you doubt? So he addresses you full on, but it's love that hits you full on for the reality of you're not what you're supposed to be in. Now, I'm here to help you get in what you need to get in. So I love what you just said before. He's right beside them, like he's out there on the water. Then he gets into the boat with them. How close do you want to be? But of course, his reality is he's having a snooze. Their reality is it's panic. Because their inner realm is not his inner realm because they haven't yet partaken of the substance that causes peace called the Christ. But he is. And this is the thing that we miss because we only really look at the external works of Christ but never know the reality in which Christ lived his life from. And that's what we all have to find, but you can't find that without Christ. And so you're always going to miss here when you hear through this natural filter. And that's why we've said you do not hear to understand. So don't even try to understand the Word of God. You have to hear to receive. As you hear to receive and accept it, the Bible says it starts doing a work within you to those who believe it. Then you might have a chance of understanding it. But see, we are always trying to understand, aren't we? Like I can see it in people. I watch you. You guys are like, 
Hold on, can you say that again so I can write that down? It's completely not the way you actually come into life. But you can't even see you're doing it. The problem no, is... I can, that's why it's quite good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you can't, you can't, I'm speaking can't, from my, right. I can't see, I couldn't see I was doing that because I didn't, spirit, spirit appraises spirit, flesh appraises, but you can't, they are, they are oil and water. They can't come together. And so it was when I realised that, I was like, holy moly, there's nothing, zero zip I can do to bring myself into any kind of life or understand any of this. So I've got to slow down, I don't talk too fast. And um, get excited, this animation thing, yeah. Um, And it was when, it was when, but it was like the first workers believe. So when that hit me, it was like, it's just, that's all I needed to do is believe on me. And then, and then he came and I shared last week, he he became number one. He put himself in the right place. Everything else took its correct place. Some stuff was out of there, man. And then suddenly, all I could see, I could see the leaven of the Pharisees. I could see the squeezing things. And he showed me a picture of, um, I was like the ugly stepsister trying to squeeze my foot into the glass slipper. It was so disgusting. And in the original fable, she actually cuts off, she actually cuts off her big toe. She's so desperate to get her foot into that slipper. Man, she's committed. I was committed. I'm like, yeah, I was like you, what you're sharing this morning. Yep, I was all, you know, I want to be a Christian, this week, all that. And but it's funny because it's not funny actually, it's actually really ugly. But what's amazing is I couldn't even see that until I had received Christ. <laughs> you know, so it's like, when, when he comes, all these, all these operating systems and a whole lot of other stuff, but yeah. Can I ask you a question? So, <laughs> um, what's it like when someone comes trying to help you share with you a reality? Greg, we know about this, don't we? Um, <laughs> Just a little. <laughs> So, and actually, that's interestingly, that would be another, um, I won't go there, but I so say that would be another, for me, fruit and proof of well, what I know he's doing in me is my, is, his authority is now in the right place for me, and I'm, I'm really happy and, in fact, feel very um, blessed to be under beautiful leadership. But anyway, um, when someone comes to you and wants to reveal that you are the ugly sister, uh, ugly stepsister, who wants to be told that, right? I don't want to be told that. Um, because everything you're holding is so precious to you and, and built up of years and years of study and trying and striving. And it, it really is all your energy has been poured into whatever you're holding that you think is really amazing. And then someone comes along and said, says, not in so many words, it's actually really not amazing and it's actually nothing and it's worth nothing. It's quite, ho- I think you said horrific this morning. Yeah, it's just really quite a, quite a horrible moment. Um, and so I think I've, I've, fought, I've fought that for years here and had moments of kind of like, but then still not. And um, yeah, it's, it's pretty affronting um, because the ego <laughs> is so big. The ego wants to be right. The ego wants to have it together. The ego wants to look good. And to suddenly have to give all that up and say that's worth nothing um, feels like just like the worst thing that could happen, but then, <laughs> but the irony is, it's the best thing that could happen. <laughs> that you don't see that until he comes, as he comes up here and shows you. Which is all he does when he says, "I have food to eat that you do not know about." Like you can read that and go, "Oh yeah, sweet ass, no problem." But when it actually it's you and him, and he's saying, "Do you know you don't know the way?" He's just saying the same thing. 
You know, you have food. I have food to eat that you do not know about, like your way. And that's what we're trying to help everyone discover is there's only one way. And so if you're not in the way, the person, you can't access the life. So you need to know whether you're in the way or not, don't you? But you actually need to know that you're in the way before you can help anyone else enter into the way. And so we're all in this journey together, isn't it? And that's why you love your brother and are committed because if you see a brother or a sister who's going another way thinking they're going to enter into this life because they're eating this food and they're not, but they can't see it. Now you can't open their eyes, but if he sends you, and we're all a sent people, aren't we? So we're all called to actually be a sent people who go into the world to help people who are completely blind come to know the one we know. Now the challenge though is, is that comes at a cost, that comes at a reality. And this is why we all have to be teachable because if God is asking someone to come to help and you have to know everyone's for one another, then why are you actually resisting and then actually going and denying the reality that's for you? you know? And the disciples could have done it right here. Like, that's quite offensive. Has anyone fed him? Guys, you're so beyond what I'm saying. You have no idea. And that's what he's saying. You have no idea. Of the food that I eat. Oh. Right, okay. What are we going to do about that? Nothing. We just, I don't know. You know? Or is it like leaning forward? Well, what do you mean? You know? Um, and you see them express every emotion. You know? Peter's in his face. Other guys are walking away. They're not having conversations. They say, oh, don't ask them that question again. Man. You don't ask that question for you. <laughs> Let those guys ask the question. Haven't you, haven't you listened? And all these dynamics. But he's there the whole time, isn't he? He doesn't leave us. He's for us. And he desires us into. And even when Peter denies him, what is Jesus doing? Loving him. But when he comes back, he then makes them a meal. So he knows it does our good intentions not good enough. All our intention, his intention was not to deny him. Jesus can go, well, that was a good intention, but it's never enough. Good intention is never enough to hold you, and it will never enough take you to the place that you're trying to get to. And so he comes after their broken state and comes with a meal with food. It's in the natural. He said, Let me make you guys a meal. So we can actually now commune together and have some fellowship. So now you're ready for me to truly help you. He's always there. He never leaves or forsake you. He's always in front of you or within you, wanting to take you by the hand to lead you. But it's this wrestle between our dependent spirit that still hasn't been crucified and we think we bring something to the party and all those things. Because, you know, like we've been around the block a bit, eh? we've known some stuff. He's going, oh, it's good on you. Okay, well, I guess we're going to sit here for a while. And that's the beauty, eh, is that the entire gospel is based on mercy, not capability, eh? You know, and, and I think to me, like that's that's the point that he's he's looking to this, for the disciples to come to, you know. And I know for myself personally, I was so well intentioned, you know, and that if you question my motive, it's almost like, look at me, look how I'm living, you know, like, you know, and, and I think. 
like with these disciples, they actually genuinely thought that they were living for Jesus, that they were following Jesus, that they were prepared to go to their death for him, you know? It's like, Jesus, come on, I've just stuck out my sword for you, you know? And and I think to me, like that, that's the, that, it's that, it's, it's from that place of your absolute best endeavours needing to fall short, you know? Not just the time that you missed the mark and that you've asked him to forgive you for your, your hidden sin, and you know, it's, it's when your absolute best isn't enough. That's flooring, eh, you know? And, the, and the, to me, it's like the frustrating, devastating part is only on, it's only at the point where you actually haven't received him, you know, because, it, you know, like the, 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 the split second that you receive true life, it's, it's not a loss. Do you know what I mean? It's like, it's, it's no longer, it was, all, it was worth it, the, the millisecond that it happened, it's, it's all worth it. Do you know what I mean? You, you, you don't go around with a sense of, um, man, it was, it was so hard, it, it was so frustrating, but I've got there finally. It's like, this has been my burden. To be, you know, it's, do you know what I mean? It's like the, the, the absolute value of receiving him in a moment, in a millisecond, is worth an entire lifetime of striving and effort. Do you know what I mean? Because, and, and I think that is, it's, it's that good intention in us that needs to die because it's still self-centered, self-serving, our attempt to get to God. Where he says the gospel is actually not about you at all. It's about me and my mercy. Because if it was about our goodness, we'd never, ever, 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 ever get to the stage where we're devoted enough to deserve his goodness towards us. Do you know what I mean? And, and so it is. It's, and, and that's the most beautiful place to come to. Good, bad, ugly, actually doesn't matter. You know, what matters is, is him. You know? And he'll use your good intention to bring you to the end of you. That's right. Yeah. That's, right. That's the other thing I love about him. He'll take whatever's coming out of you, <laughs> twist it, and use it against you, but it's for you. Right. Yeah. And to me, that's why he said, you know, that that the law is holy and righteous and good. You know, he says, I didn't come to I didn't come to do away with the law. I actually came to fulfill the law and for the law to be fulfilled anew, you know. But the beauty of the law is that in trying to keep the law, you realize you can't keep the law. And actually it's acted in, you didn't realize that that was the intention behind it, but actually it was all along, you know. And, and so the law is holy and spiritual. Actually, it's, good, it's, God's, it's God's righteous standard. But the issue was not that the law needed to be done away with. It's that you trying, your ability to keep the law needed to die, you know? So that actually the, the reality of the law could be fulfilled in you, you know? Which is, the, 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 the law was always supposed to be about love, right? Having love in you for God and love in you for people that he wants to write his law in our hearts so that actually you can keep the very thing that he commands you to do, not from you but from the reality of his love in you. you know. So what gospel are the disciples hearing through their own head and what gospel is the woman at the well hearing through her own head here? Yeah, any of us or any of you guys? I th- oh, sorry. Prosperity 
Well, it is, but what gospel is that connected to out of what we've been looking at? Yeah. So that's how they're hearing it all, yeah? So they sit firmly under that category because they can't get into that one. And that's the problem, you know? And we do too until he takes us from there to there, you know? And that's the beauty is we're all in this together. <laughs> we're all in the washing machine. And... Yeah, he, he, he. Sure. So, so the Christ doesn't just come to free you from the nature of sin; he comes to free you from the nature and the power of sin. So, sin is powerful. We're born in sin. We're born in bondage. We're born in darkness. We're born in iniquity. We're not in Christ. We are born in this powerful thing called sin, and the God of self is associated with sin. Yeah, So we are born completely destitute from life. And this is why it's the mercy of God. When you see yourself in that state through the lens of mercy, you're like, oh my goodness. And then the grace comes along and literally takes you out of that state and into life. And you get freed from the nature of sin and the power of sin, you're now free to live, aren't you? I want to read you what Paul said, because if there's a person who got this, it's Paul. <laughs> because listen, I just like he, he where are you? I was just reading this. Okay. I thank this is this is one Timothy one verses twelve. I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who has strengthened me. Who strengthened Paul? Christ Jesus, because he considered me faithful, putting me into service, even though I was formerly a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent aggressor. Yet I was shown mercy because I acted and acted ignorantly in unbelief. And listen, and the grace of our Lord was more than abundant. What from? To free me from the state I was in. And then he adds some things. And the grace of our Lord was more than abundant with the faith and love which are found in Christ Jesus. So he's actually describing who he was. He's the one that, oh my goodness, man, I was stuck in the power of this other reality. Okay, I'm a blasphemer. I'm a violent man. I'm a persecutor of the very thing I'm saying I love. Then he goes, it is a trustworthy statement deserving full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners among whom I am foremost of all. Yet for this reason, I found mercy so that in me as the foremost, Jesus Christ might demonstrate his perfect patience as an example for those who would believe. He's saying my life is the demonstration of God's patience. Look at what I was doing. Look at how I was living in ignorance and unbelief. I had so much zeal, but I was bound up in another reality. He says, I am the sinner of sinners. Now, he's being made aware though, of that reality. Have you? Have you been made aware that you're no different to this guy? 
just because you haven't yet killed some people and done some things, you know, and we were talking about this at lunch, it's like, or in this morning, it's like you would say, Sam has been raised within this church environment and the other guys haven't. But we've all got the same issue. We're all sinners needing to be saved. But it's not this thing of just a mere intellectual information where I go, oh yeah, I believe that, I'm at that, I agree with that, I'm saved. Like, you can say that and you're still in sin and iniquity here, yeah? Like, you need grace to come in and free you from you because you are bound up in you. And that's what Ron's saying. It's a power. And because you're bound up in you, guess what? You're going to live a life. You can't try to get out of that. That's legalism. Where you replace grace, it's all legalism. You know, so if you're trying, it's your your heart is legalistic. You you have a legalistic spirit. You just don't know it. You're trying to get out of something that you're bound in. And he's saying, and he's the example. Like he literally tells you, my life is the example to demonstrate the perfect patience of God as an example to those who would believe. So God's mercy is being poured out on a man that was actually killing and destroying the thing that God loved. Why? Because he was predestined. There was an appointed time. So you imagine God's mercy covering all that, even the people that were being killed. Why? Because the people he was killing, you don't die when you die. You're alive and well in Christ. I've made it all things new. What's the issue? And we've got to come into this, not sit on the outside of that going, we've got to come into this reality of what it is to actually truly be in Christ because we're partaking of Christ because he says I'm strengthened by the Lord Jesus Christ but this is who I was and this is who I now are so it's the same guy but he's got two lives correct because he's partaking of a food source that's released him from the power of sin so sin is not an excuse you know we want to make that an excuse I'm bound up in sin means I can't live that's actually calling God a liar if you live like that and say that you're calling God a liar he you're, what you're saying is you didn't do enough on that cross because of my reality. No, your reality needs to be his reality, so stop calling God a liar because by his mercy, he could smite you, but he doesn't. Can you imagine saying that that's you or your child is up there and you're going, you know you haven't done enough, mate? You know you haven't done... We, we sung the song, You're Enough, really? You actually haven't done enough. That's why I've got to love this person more because you actually haven't done enough even though you've done enough. I hope you can hear because you've got to, we all have to want to go after this as if it's the most central point of your life rather than it be an add-on. It's got to become the number one thing you desire above all else. The challenge is you're stuck, eh, because it's not the reality in your heart tonight. Could be or might not be. The reality is actually I, I, I want them but not that bad. And so his patience through his mercy. And if he shows you that, if he shows it's you, you know, it's not Amanda, it's not Sam, it's me. And when he shows you that through his mercy, man, I tell you, the motivation to run, because it's no longer about anybody else, you see it's you. You know, it's me. And then he goes, it's okay. Because I've been right here waiting for this. I love you. Now let's go together. I love that. Just on that, I love that song, um, that you too and B.B. Um, King, um, When Love Comes to Town. And there's this one line in there and he says, 
I was there when they crucified my Lord. I held the scabbard while the soldier drew his sword. And I'm like, man, that is so powerful. He sees it. He gets it. It's easy to go, 2,000 years ago, a bunch of people killed Jesus, but I wouldn't have. He goes, actually, that was me. And that's what I feel, find beautiful about Paul. You know, he, you know, he says in this scripture that Greg just read out, you know, that he was the worst of all sinners. But he, but he also says, as to the law, I was found blameless. <laughs> so how can the person who was the most blameless according to the law also be the worst of all sinners? You know, was was Paul a worse sinner than Adolf Hitler, than Pol Pot, than? Do you see what I'm saying? Was he the physical, technical worst of all sinners? Or did he have the greatest measure of revelation of who he once was that it actually unlocked the reality now in light of the mercy of God and the grace and the power that was at work with now within his heart transform? Do you see what I'm saying? The issue was not the sin. The issue was that now he's re- received a revelation of the righteousness that was na- that is now in Christ that shed light on the reality of the sin that he was living from. You know, to me, that the issue was not the thing. The issue was the measure of revelation. Eh? And we need to be able to say with Paul, I was the worst of all sinners, regardless of if we were drug dealers, prostitutes, or whether we've been brought up in a Christian home, we still, all of us, need to find that place of what we were physically born into in Adam and the born-again life that he's come to bring in Christ, hey, you know? But it's only revelation that does that, not whatever it is that we've been through, hey, you know? Can you just repeat that? It's only revelation that does that, which means you're not looking at your sinful life, your eyes are on the Christ. Okay? So the solution isn't to look at what you're not. The solution is to look at who he is. But you need to know. This is this is why it's this tension, isn't it, between the two parts. And some people just hear, this is so negative. And it's just a negative talk. It's like, no, it's life. But a church that doesn't know needs to hear the reality so she can hear what she's not. Otherwise, she thinks she already is. And there's been so much of that that we all think we already are but there's not the demonstration of what we say we are. yeah. So the challenge and the tension is in presenting both sides of the coin, the heads and the tails, knowing it's one position. We need to talk about both. yeah. So we need to talk about him first, him crucified. Okay. So both are in play. And sometimes God says, I want you to talk about Christ crucified. I want you to talk about the God of self needs to die. And I want you to hit that for a while. Then we're going to change it up and we're going to talk about Christ. And we're going to hit that for a while. Then I want you to talk about Christ and I want you to hit Christ for three years. Then I want you to spend the next three years talking about Christ, Christ crucified. And you're getting the whole, but not necessarily all at one time. And you need to have the ability and discernment to hear it's all life. Not that's death and that's life, it's all all life, otherwise what happens is all you hear is the negative and it's actually life, it's not negative at all. So there's an order and a design, so when you realise I'm stuck and I can't bring myself into this, it's the best place because then you lift your head up and he goes, I'm here, hi, I'm the one you need and I'm not miles away from you, I'm literally right in front of you. 
And so now get to know me. And this is what Paul says. He says, the only reason I consider my life rubbish is because I, in view of the surpassing greatness of knowing him, do I consider it rubbish. But you have to realise it's rubbish. But you don't learn it's rubbish by feeling it's rubbish per se. You do it by knowing him. So then you have the life. So if you want to get crucified, you need to know Christ. If you know Christ, you get crucified. And that's why it's not Jesus crucified Jesus. It's Jesus, Jesus crucified. Because it's one, then two, but it's one position. The flesh will always hear the negative. The flesh will always hear the lack. The flesh will always hear what I'm not. Even when what's being said is, it'll still hear it. We spent a year talking about love. Didn't we? Like a whole year unpacking every aspect of love. It was in the resources. We can go through it. And yet we go, oh, we're here as negative and loss. No, it's being led by the Spirit, and the Spirit knows where everyone's at. So he goes, right, we need this for this day. You need this for this six months. You need that for that nine months. Because overall, you're getting both parts of a two-part picture. But at the end of the day, once we come into the oneness, it doesn't matter what you're getting because you know it's all life. And you're praying for your brothers and sisters that may need to hear the God of self needs to get crucified because you've transitioned from that place and you're going, amen, amen. It doesn't matter how many times you hear it. It's new and it's life. You know, I've had people say to me, when do we get past knowing him? I had someone say to me, this brighter Christ beep. When are we moving on? It's like Paul said, it does me no harm to tell you the same thing again and again and again. Why is that? Because until you've heard it and understood it and are living it, you haven't heard anything. So I need to keep giving you Christ, Christ, Christ. Sure, you say it differently, but it's the same thing. Well, that's all we're doing here. Preaching one message, Jesus. Unpacked 50 million different ways, but you come back to, it's just Jesus. So Jesus said, on the revelation of myself, I build a people. So the challenge is, do I know Jesus? Well, you can't know Jesus because no one can know Jesus unless the Father reveals it. And no one can know the Father unless Jesus is revealing it. So he brings you to this place where you're no longer the center of your story. You're no longer the main actor. You're no longer the hero. You're no longer the number one in the story. But you're in the story. But you're about to get removed from being the centre of the story. And then when he removes you and he becomes your centre, he becomes the hero, overnight everything starts to shift. And you now find yourself with the capability of living what you are actually against. And you're actually going, this is the life, this is the life, this is life. And you actually can be like Paul. Where now you actually testify to, this was my former manner. Now this is my new manner. And now you have an appreciation for what you actually didn't have before and you value what you never had value for because you've been awakened to that dimension. And it's so fresh, isn't it? Because when it's him, it's like this fresh, it just like comes over you again and again. Like you hear Paul and just, he says the same thing over and over because he probably has moments where he's just like, oh, there it is again, what I've been saved from. And you just find yourself so thankful because you see for me it's like the I'd received the gospel of good works or a gospel of behavior and it's so demonic and when I when I know I know that that's gone and I've been rescued from it I'll just have moments I'll just be working and the next minute I'm just in weeping because I'm just like 
thank you, Jesus. It's not about me doing anything right or anyone else doing anything right. It sets you free from that as well. You, know, you don't judge anymore because you're not judging yourself. The courtroom is closed. You've left. The lights have gone out. I was, I was standing there for ages like, man, where's everyone gone? <laughs> and Jesus is like, I left there 2,000 years. You know, it's like, I'm not there. And I'm like, yeah, I, I need to not be here too. But it was only through Revelation that I saw what I'd been rescued from. And again, it's like, it's that thing of like, he comes and it goes. It's like this amazing transaction. It's, and only by knowing him and, and receiving the true gospel do I know what the false gospel even was. So it's just that, it's that fresh every day, isn't it? It never gets old, you know? And, and, you, and you see even more and more, like the scabbard thing, holding the scabbard. This week I saw and I saw that I'd spat in Jesus' face and it's sitting, his, my saliva was sitting in his hair and he was looking at me and it wasn't like it was this, this current thing, but he was showing me that's what it was, Amanda. That's what it was. That was how grow, you know? And it was just that, oh, and I've never seen it at that level, you know, that absolute disdain and for him that I'd had. But again, I couldn't even see that until he came. And then I, But I know I'm loved, so I'm not, I'm not sitting in that place. I'm just seeing love. I'm just saying, yeah. oh, thank you for keeping on loving when I did that to you over and over and, you know. Yeah. And to me the question is, can we receive discipline without condemnation? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Because you actually literally cannot when you're living from... That when you're living from you. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Every time someone comes to talk to you about something that's for you, that you've been, maybe even been predestined for, that maybe you're not in yet, it's either going to go one of two ways depending on what sits in here. Either it's going to elevate you, like you said, because I, I, when I hear you share, what I don't hear is what you, you saw you spitting in Jesus' face, what I didn't hear you say is I went and crawled in a ball and that was the end of me for the rest of the day because I was so just, you know, sewing a fig leaf over myself to try and make everything go away, you know. What I hear, what I hear you saying is that he showed you something of your old nature, the way that you used to live, and what it actually did was make you incredibly grateful and thankful for what he had brought you out of and what you brought you into you know and so while it maybe it was there was a form of discipline the discipline was overwhelmingly positive because of the person that you've come to know and to me that's the question is do we see discipline as being overwhelmingly positive in our life because actually discipline is no longer about being accepted or not accepted anymore actually disciplines from the actually if 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 you don't know discipline you're an illegitimate child you know what does that mean actually you don't know that you're truly his because if you were truly his, there would be an ongoing growth process where his discipline only actually added holiness to your life. And because that's the greatest desire now of your heart is him, and to be in him and to grow in him, it's all gain, right? It's never loss, it's always gain. And so your strength to strength, your glory to glory, him and someone else's growth inspires you. What you're called to inspires you, actually, it doesn't, disqualify, make you feel small, make you feel little, it empowers and it spurs you on because actually the reality in you is you're accepted, you're, you're loved, you're in him. Do you see what I'm saying? It's so different, eh? You know? And, so, and yet, 
I feel like the reason why I can say this is because I've lived, I lived for so long in the other way, you know? And hearing about what was possible was the least motivating thing I could think of because it, it, it created such a sense of condemnation that I always felt. And, you know, I grew up in an incredibly loving family with fantastic parents, but even in their love for me, what was in me was I, I desperately needed to please them and there's a sense of performance-orientated acceptance. And no matter what I did, I never was enough. And, and my view of God wasn't from, at the time, wasn't from revelation. I saw God in exactly the same way and I was up and down and up and down, filled with a sense of condemnation about never being good enough for Him, you know? And so... Uh, so that's to me that sorry that's just the caveat to say that's what I had come out of and what he had brought me into you know and and that if you feel if you find yourself in that place where you're living from a constant sense of anxiety and condemnation man there's so much hope because the gospel can set you free from you and and bring you in through power to the to the reality of truly being a son and being accepted in him which empowers you to live now as a son you know so mm. and you're describing every human being's posture aren't you like it's not just oh that's sam's thing it's every single human that's born is born into what you're describing it may manifest itself quite differently but it's the same legalistic spirit we're born legalists we're born the spirit of legalism which is we're all trying to find our identity in us so take the Christian context out of play. That's what the world's doing. It's trying to find life in itself. It goes, you can fix yourself through all these health, self-help books. So if you want to change, you're the answer to your change. Yeah. It's legalism. It's a legalistic spirit. And this is the difference. So you're either in legalism or grace. So if you're, we're all born legalistic in legalism, even though we don't think we are because... That person's more judgmental than me. No, you're both judgmental. One expresses it very different to you. Okay, So it's still all in the natural. So when you realize we're all born in sin and iniquity, legalists, how do I get out of that? Well, it ain't from trying. <laughs> it's from grace. So grace comes, grabs hold of you, and pulls you out of that and pops you into grace. Well, now you have a reference for that that you didn't think you were. And you're never going back there because you can't, because you've been rescued from it. And he's removed it from you. This is the challenge, you know. But because we're different personality types and all these things, we think we're all different. We're not. We are the same. There's only flesh or spirit. Full stop. You know, and there's no midway point. But we've created the midway point through psychology. You know? Correct. So your lifestyle is different, but your testimony is the same. So mine and your lifestyle, very different. Our lifestyle, very different. But our testimony needs to be the same because the testimony is not different. The lifestyle is different, but the work Jesus is doing is exactly the same. It produces the same work. So it's only one work, and he does the work. And it produces exactly the same life, which produces oneness. And so it's a bit like the question this morning about diversity. You know, we're trying to find diversity, and it's not. It's found in Christ. And only when you find Christ can you actually live out the difference, but it's still Christ. So it's oneness in 
Christ. And that's the thing. We're trying to find oneness through our natural way. It doesn't work. That has to die. That spirit of independence, which is in every single human being, must die and stay dead. And this is why the church has struggled to be the church of the scriptures, because she's not dead. We say we die to ourselves. We try to die to ourselves. Even that's demonic, because Jesus doesn't say that. You die to this I. I gets crucified when it receives Jesus Christ in her. So when Paul received Jesus Christ in him, he went, I got crucified. He doesn't go, I got crucified, now I try and find Jesus. He went, I received Jesus. Go read it. Galatians 1, I've studied this for years. Galatians 1, 11 to 12, happened in me. When it happened in me, I got crucified. Bingo. So it's Jesus we need. But we think we've got Jesus, don't we? Well, I know him. Good. You need to get to know him more because you're still living. So there's a reality that happens that you cannot do. It happens to you and in you all the time. And you're just the recipient of something that you're forever grateful for. And it brings brings an absolute praise and a worship wherever you are 24-7. And you just can't but anything but be thankful for his mercy that saved you out of that and brought you into that. And you know it's not you. It's him. I, I think there's a problem with what, for me, it's, it's being in a lot of darkness. And, and, and I, I, really, I worked it out that because God is holy, God, God's a holy God, He doesn't have anything. Because what we call the darkness of sin and the works of darkness. So you can be a lot of, in a lot of darkness when it's not something else. You're actually in the darkness of sin and the works of darkness. And the word tells us to separate ourselves from the works of darkness. 100%. If you agree with darkness, you make a pact with darkness. Okay, so if you make a pact with darkness in agreement, it's like you make an agreement with the word. Okay, so if you make a pact with darkness, darkness is going to enter you, you will live a life of darkness, and darkness will have a stronghold over you. If you believe the lie, like you believe the truth, it'll enter into you, it'll cause roots, and the roots of the weeds will grow. That's what the enemy's trying to do. Who sowed seeds into this field? What's the field? The heart. So who sold the seeds? Because you didn't sow the seeds. You sowed good seeds. Someone turned up and sowed another seed. Now, if you receive that seed, believe that seed, you've made an agreement with darkness. That does not mean you can't be rescued out of darkness because Christ wants to come and rescue. But you can agree with darkness, live like, and so death is in you. Absolutely. That's the whole point. That's why the world doesn't want Jesus. Okay? And there's a Satan who's actively throwing out seeds everywhere just like the Holy Spirit's throwing seeds out everywhere. But one's the seeds of truth, the other seed is the what? Lie, deception, temptation. So what seed are you picking up and eating? If you make an agreement with it, you will live it. It'll come out of you because it's in you. But there's hope, and the hope is Jesus Christ, because only Jesus Christ can rescue you out of that and then actually have you hearing and receiving the seeds of truth. So you better be careful who you're hearing. yeah. So we've got to walk with one another. There can't be any lone rangers in this thing called the church because God has sent everything she needs to life of godliness. Everything we need is in Him. So we've got to get in Him. And we've got to stop rejecting the one God has sent us and we need to forget about us and get into Christ. Because we try to have this life of Christ on the outside of Christ. So we try to maintain us Don't get too close. Maintain your natural family. Take care of all them and just keep the church there. This is what we were told. You're getting a bit too committed to the church. 
well intention, good intention, no wisdom. I am to leave all things and be in Christ, then turn around and say to the natural, come. Not go to the natural, turn around, look at Christ and say, hold on a minute, I'm a bit busy. Well, how do you go from one to the other? Because you all start in the natural, correct? You all start with the value system of you and what's natural to you. How do you get out of that when you're in that? Well, I'm telling you what, it ain't through the gospel of information. It ain't through hearing a message and going, yeah, I believe that. Because if you do, then why are you still actually 50-50? Why you put a buck here and a buck there? Why are you making a plan B for your life when there's only a plan A? Because you don't trust, because you don't have faith. Oh, no, I have faith. No, you don't, because your life is telling me you don't have it. Because faith sees and faith knows. So he's trying to call us out of the state. That's exactly what he's doing with the disciples. He turns up, no one, guys, no one knows who he is. No one. The darkness did not comprehend him. I don't care who you are, no one knew him. John the Baptist did. Why? Because John had the spirit living within him, correct? But even he was like, is he the one? Well, one minute he is the one because I see the dove coming now. I'm not sure if he is the one because he died. And so you see this dimension. What would it be like to be Jesus walking on a planet that you created and no one recognises you? Especially the very people that died, you've come to let know of the kingdom. And they treat you like that. Spit on you and you still have the capacity to love them. You know, I love that. They just spit that you spat in his face running down. He just wipes it off and says, I'm still here. When you get infected with that, I'll tell you what, man, you leave your rubbish behind because compared to your knowing that, that is, but the word means S-H-I-T. Literally, it's that. Why am I eating my dog's vomit? Because I didn't know. And so you can't live in this forms of godliness, man. But it means you don't leave the body of Christ because you realise the problem's not the body of Christ. The problem is you. The problem is how you see, hear it all. You know, I've got to lead. No, especially not here. Because he's forming it his way. You know, but it comes with absolute conviction. It's an apostolic confrontation. And it asks for all, but it will stay and love you until you're ready. But you've got to release it, eh? You hang on to it, man. You can hang on to your entire life because you're ultimately in fear. He will love you, love you. People will love you, but it doesn't mean you know you're being loved and it doesn't mean that you're actually aware of the reality that is because it's truly eternal. It's not earth. We're not to live like earthlings. We're not to think like earthly people. We are not to live in the ways of earth. That's the old former manner of life that you have a reference for, and it's one man but two lives. You turn, you leave that life, not because of legalism, but through grace. Like you're being turned. The grace turns you, and then it resends you. And you leave that because you know, if I can't see, I'm going to go back there. Yeah, Hebrews 11. I see the future city. If they didn't know there was a country there, they would have made this their country and they would have gone back. Weren't they trying to go back the entire time he was taking them out of the wilderness? 
Why? Because that's all you know. So go to Deuteronomy 8. Deuteronomy 8 is a prophecy God spoke over this church. It's exactly what he's doing. I'm taking you rock people, who you were, and I'm taking you out of who you were, and I'm putting into a people that you aren't, but you're going to become another people. And I'm going to feed you with a different food source that you've never eaten before, because the food source that you have was okay for that time, but it's not now. And so I'm starving you of all what you used to do. I'm starving you of all your function. I'm starving you of all that was. So you actually have a hunger for something that you've never had. So you're either going to get skinny and want something new, or you're going to run away and find what you always had. And that has happened in the name of God. But we don't know that's happened in the name of God. We go, oh, that's okay. No, it's not okay. It is not okay. A lot of things we do, they are not okay. But His mercy is covering us. But we think it is. We've come up with this escape mechanism to think that's okay. No, it's not okay. Like It is not okay to love another person more than God. It's not okay. There are consequences for that. But we've taught, oh, it's all good. Whatever, man, grace. And so we swing from legalism to this abusing grace. And there are ministries out there pumping this stuff. It's okay, man. It doesn't matter if you sin, fill your boots. It's all good. God loves you because they think grace is a covering. I tell you, man, the church has to get apprehended by the Word of God, straightened up, chiropractically snapped into position, and then sent with everything God gives her. But if pride is still there, you will deny Him. You will deny those ones God has sent and you'll just be an independent little person living for you. And he still loves you. And I'm not saying you don't get into heaven, but you will miss the life you were predestined for. Now and in the age to come. I'd be running real fast because he'd kill me. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. That's my thing. I'm like, I know that I I think it's good to ask questions, eh? So I just want to encourage you in that. Like, I, I reckon, you know, um, don't be afraid of asking questions because God's not afraid of your questions. He's got answers for your questions, you know, um, whether we can give them or not. <laughs> <laughs> I, thought, I thought you were going to give a... Uh, <laughs> um, I, I feel like um, we kind of touched on this a little bit this morning and, you know, what, what um, sometimes what we try to do is to try to give words to explain something which is almost beyond words. Um, in saying that, let's give it another shot. <laughs> um, 
I, I feel like, I'll say the short version of it, I feel like you can be positioned well versus being positioned badly. And if I had the opportunity of just, so let's say this, the one side is you walk away and hope that a lucky shot catches you while you're out there doing your own thing. The other extreme is that you sweat your butt off and work your way there. And we know that's not going to work, and I'm pretty sure that's not going to work. Um, in the middle, and this is where we have two sides of a path, this is my kind of best way of explaining it, is we have two sides of a path, there's two extremes, and there's a narrow path in the middle, and it's narrow. And the narrow path looks like you can't do it, but you're called to participate in not doing it. <laughs> Does that make sense? <laughs> you're called to participate in something you can't do. Yeah, that, that's really it. So, so actively engaged, knowing that you can never bring yourself the life that you need. So, so what is the what is the, the persistent widow? Hey, give me some sugar. I'm probably butchering that story. Bread, whatever it is. <laughs> give me this. Give me the sugar. Who's got some sugar? Two different people, bro, oh, but it's okay. We, we get the point. I hear a song coming. I hear a was song a guy. coming. <laughs> she was going before the judge. I am your neighbour. Um, and so it's like, you know, knowing that ultimately you're looking for the one that has the sugar. <laughs> Which isn't the judge. <laughs> the judge doesn't have the sugar. <laughs> I mean, I think just to encourage you, this will either really encourage you or really depress you. So, <laughs> so you know, 27 years of... And a, a question that like that, but built, you know, didn't even know there was a question to ask. That like what you're asking, even that is amazing that you're even asking that question. I didn't even know to ask that question. And then, you know, over that over that time, when I did realise that was a question I needed to start asking, there was wrestling, there was frustration, there was pushback, all sorts of things. But in that, he, his love stayed, and people stayed around me. They didn't run off, and I stayed as well. And I think, and that's one thing I said before I went to England. I said hey guys, stay in the conversation. And actually, even in England, man, we were in a wilderness of sorts. And it was just, that was tested again and again. Coming back here, it was like, even to step back in and to stay again, knowing still that I still wasn't, you know, didn't get it, whatever, hadn't received what I knew I needed. But I stayed and I allowed, and it is is the position thing, it is staying in the conversation and sit with the thing that irritates you, man. (laughs) Why is it provoking you? You know, whatever, and just allow, just feel those feelings. Sit in it, it's okay, you know, don't rush off from it. Just let it feel gross and let it feel what it needs to feel. When I say feel, I don't mean feelings, you know what I mean? It's that sense of whatever it is, but but it's just, it is, it is, and that's the position to, to stay. And the disciples did that, you know, they heard the flesh and blood stuff and they said, well, we've got no other options. And actually, you don't either. You don't have any other option either. Neither did I. None of us have got any other options. So um, it's all dead. So, you know, just stay, stay in there. And, you know, people are praying for... We've been pray, praying for each other, right? That we would all experience what is needed. Yeah. Um, can I just ask, though, because that is... No, I'm not saying that. <clears throat> what I'm saying is that you can do everything and it can, it can basically do nothing. So you, you can't do what needs to be done. 
but you can ask for him to do what needs to be done. And I feel like that's the best position. So the God, I don't even know what needs to be done. That's the that's a really good prayer. God, I don't even know what needs to be done. I don't even get it. I know that I'm hungry for something that I haven't even tasted before. Whatever it is, there's no, I feel like there's no prayer too low to start with. And, and he will meet us where we're at. He's so good. And I love what you said, Amanda, about put skin on so that he could engage even closer. Where, you know, for me, I, I've, I've asked, I've prayed that. I'm like, God, I don't even know what I need to pray right now. I don't even know what my problem is. I haven't, I haven't got the answers. I haven't worked it out. But I know enough to know that you're inviting me to come to you. What are you saying? What have you got? What is it that this situation needs? What is it that you see right here? And that, I mean, you know, he, he can lead us to that place where it's a, a genuine thing or whatever. God, even the, God, I'm praying this prayer and it doesn't even feel genuine. I don't even feel like I really care right now. Help me to care. You know what I mean? Like as far back as we need to go, <laughs> let's go. You know, because he's right there. And you know what I'm saying? Like, it's, it's okay, like he, he's the one that gives us all of that, but I feel like he doesn't give it to us to be inactive with. There's a, and, and this is why I joke about the participation part, it's, it's the going, whatever it is that you've given me, which is, like we said this morning, a one-legged stool, I'm bringing it, and we're going to go with it, you know? And, and, and he just works with it, like he's so good but yeah, I guess you know the short answer is that 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 we can't give ourselves the life that we need, but we can ask him for the life that he has, that he knows we need, that he's actually come to give us. That's right. yeah. 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 And so, in a nutshell, it is absolutely not an apathetic position that we stay in. No, that's it can't right. Be on a still. No, no, <laughs> no. And that's and that's it. Like it can't be. Um, so one of the themes that God's been um, speaking to me about lately is about, about the careless position, which is caring less about what it is that he has. And he didn't invite us to be careless. He invites us to, be, to, be, uh, to take care, to be full of care for the things that he's promising, the things that he's entrusted us with, the things that he's speaking, so that even if we don't recognize them fully for what they are, we are um, giving as much attention or value to them as we have capacity for I know God and, and and you know sometimes what that looks like and this is something that can be challenging for us as well is is walking with other people that we know as well and going hey what do you see you know not because we're looking to the person but because God will often speak through other people Sometimes people that we don't even want to hear, and I feel like um, I'll just say this, you know, you speak Greek, is that there's I, I love what you were talking about tonight, Sam, in terms of discipline, and I feel like we touched on something in terms of discipline, and I feel like there's actually a heck of a lot more there because discipline's something that God's been speaking to me about as well, and there's so much value in discipline. There's so much there when we realise that a father that loves his children will discipline us for a purpose and it stops becoming about our value or our acceptance but sees something for us to come into the discipline has a purpose the discipline isn't for itself it's for something and I, I mean I even am seeing it like this that God is um, providing adversity for us to come into he is giving us things to overcome 
wow, that's, that's something. Oh, why are you letting these things happen to me, God? Uh, so you can overcome them? Do you know who you are? Do you know what's in you? Do you know what it is that life looks like? Life and love is going to overcome these things, and I've, I've allowed it for you to overcome them. And once again, that's what he says in Deuteronomy, isn't it? I'm going to test your heart. So I've brought you to the wilderness to test, not to put you down, but for you to see right now you're incapable of overcoming the test. Yep. So I bring you out of a reality that you're comfortable in to bring you into a reality so you can overcome because it's not you that overcomes, it's me in you. And at the moment, you're still the one in you, so you can't overcome the world, the demonic, or the, um, or the flesh. So I've got to take you out of something, but we don't like being taken out of to be put into. But I just want to um, answer Danny's question this way as well and just talk about the woman that goes before the judge. So and just also help Chris on his theology. <laughs> he needs um, some help, yeah, because she doesn't. She that. doesn't turn up looking for sugar. <laughs> <laughs> and, and the one he's talking about is not even a woman; it's a guy where they come looking for bread. You know, which the bread of life is Jesus. So you know, you need to do some work there, bro. But anyway, um, but it's fascinating. It's going to be Chris's last week on the panel. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> could, could be yours, bro, because you didn't discern that either. But anyway. <laughs> We're no, looking for panel members uh, as of next week. <laughs> Put your hat into the ring. But, but fascinating because it's about prayer. So, you know, it says, Now he was telling them, Jesus is telling his disciples, a parable to show that at all times how they ought to pray and not lose heart. There's a key right there, isn't it? Don't lose heart. In a certain city there was a judge who did not fear God and did not respect man. There was a widow in that city, and she kept coming to him saying, Give me legal protection from my opponent. For a while he was unwilling. But afterward he said to himself, Even though I do not fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow bothers me, I will give her legal protection. Otherwise, by continually coming, she will wear me out. So the father's heart is saying, come. And he wants, without losing heart, he wants us to go after everything. So it's not passive, it's highly active. But it also, she's dependent on the judge giving. So her role is to keep coming. Keep coming and not lose heart when she doesn't get what she wants at the first time, second time, third time, fourth time, 100th time. But to continue to come in prayer, asking, seeking, knocking. And the hard part of that is if you're not receiving, to not lose heart, yeah. isn't it? Especially if everyone else around you is saying, this is amazing, man, look at this testimony, oh, this is fabulous. And you're like, I've been understanding. I prayed more and I didn't get it. <laughs> That's right, absolutely. Why her, why her, why him, why him? Don't they? No, no, no. And then you start going spiralling down. Do you know what I mean? And so now you get angry. And every time someone brings life, which is to see you free, you hear it wrong, and you get even more angrier. That's not the position. Okay, So the posture is, this judge, he didn't respect God, he didn't respect man, but because she kept knocking and coming until I get, he's like, man, she's going to wear me down. I mean, that's the father's heart. Now, you can never wear the father down, but give it a go. 
<laughs> and that's what Jesus said, right? Seek and you will find. Ask and you'll receive. Knock and the door will be open to you. You know, and I know for me there's been you know, time, times in the past where, where that scripture is all that I had to go off, you know, and that I didn't have the reality of the found life. All I knew was that the scripture just, and I, when I talk about the scripture, I'm not even talking about the living word. I'm just talking about the words on the page yeah. was all that I had to go off. That, and I, to me, I, I remember saying things to God like, like, the only thing I have to go off is the fact that you've, that you've said it. Yeah. And you say, if I seek, I will find. Yeah. If I knock, the door will be opened. If I ask, I will receive. And, you know, so, sometimes we just need to get, this needs to be a, a bit of grit and a bit of like, we know that it's not our effort that brings us in, but you lay hold of something that's yeah. for you and you, you knock the door down into it, you know, believing and hoping that he's going to do what it is that he's that he said, you know. And I think the challenge in that, while you're doing that, is to don't write off because sometimes God responds to our prayer, and then we shut His reality down because we don't like the way He does it, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. So He goes, "I hear it, okay." Now, and you end up crucifying everybody that He's sending to help bring something that's going to release you because it's got to come a certain way. So you can't come with any premeditated agreement of how it needs to happen. The cry is, Lord, I'm coming, and however, that's your call. And so I'm not going to say no, I'm just going to receive however it comes. Because most of the time, it won't come the way you want it. (laughs) Unfortunately, isn't it? Well, think about um, Paul who says, "Um, I press on. I don't consider myself to have attained. So here's a guy who's had massive amounts of revelation, and rather than go, okay, God, if that's everything that you have for me, that's it. And just sitting back, he says, I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ laid hold of me. Mm-hmm. And so he is, he's got a tenacity for something more than what it is that he already has. And so he is, he is participating in the gospel, knowing that there's something for him that Christ has already laid hold of him for that requires his participation to receive. And, you know, the thing that I love about this persistent widow who's going for, you know, something, <laughs> is, that, um, is that she has sight of the judge, you know, so she's not just knocking on every door, she's knocking on one door and continually knocking on one door. And I feel like for so many of us, we, we discount what it is that we have because we actually have sight, a certain degree of sight. We know who our father is. We know what it is that he's done and taking what we have and running with it is actually worth something, especially in this situation. Awesome. Oh, any any last final on topic questions before we finish up, or is the last for the night? Cool. 